everyone. Thanks for checking out the Citizens Podcast. We are the high school student ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Sundays at 11 a.m. in the student wing. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you posted it on your Instagram story and tag at NBC Citizens. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy. Good morning, guys. How's everybody doing? Thank you. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Dude, you know what? I will be at snow camp. Let me clarify. Trent doesn't hate anybody. We don't hate anybody here. We love you guys. Right? Right, Trent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Hey, guys. Thank you guys so much for being here this morning. Um, I just want to start off by saying this. Jade and Nikki, you guys killed it. Can you guys give them a round of applause? You guys absolutely nailed it. Um... It's kind of intimidating to come up here and do this for the first time. Um, Limited practice, so we want to encourage them, let them know, let you guys know that you guys did a great job, as you did. Um, With that being said as well, I just wanted to touch on the fact that, you know, there are several other people, and I've had conversations already uh, with certain individuals who perhaps are interested and and desire to be a part of um, this team and wanted to go through the auditions and tryouts they had, um, but weren't unfortunately able to be a part of it. If that's you, if perhaps you're interested in, in, in using some of the gifts that God's given you in some capacity, we would love to make you part of the team. So, so feel free to reach out to me, connect with me, uh, Christina, whoever it may be, and we can sort that out. Um, Layla, all you guys, you, you guys can figure that out. But yes, if that's something the Lord impresses on your heart, come find me and I'd love to see what we can do. Um, Today, we are going to be continuing our series. If you've been with us, you've uh, seen how we've talked about uh, the roots of um, our faith, really the foundations of our faith, talking about these basic essential things in the Christian life. One, discipleship, what it means to be a disciple, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, follower of Jesus, right, that it costs something. That it costs something to follow him. Um, we've also read about um, the Bible last week. We used the Bible to learn about the Bible last week. Wow, incredible, right? Anyways, so we read last week that the Bible will always be, has always been, and is currently being opposed. And that we use the Bible as a tool against that deception, against that opposition. We know that the Bible is God's word and it is useful for several different things, for doctrine, for teaching, for uh, conviction, for reproof, for correction, and also for instruction, for guidance. We know that the Bible is useful, that it's directly from God, that it is his words to us. We have access to it. We have it as a resource. It's an incredible resource that sometimes we underestimate. Another thing that we underestimate is what we'll be looking at today, and that is prayer. Another basic part of our Christian faith, a word we hear every single time we step foot in this place. We may hear it at least once a day. We're always hearing this word prayer. Prayer is a part of our daily lives, or at least it should be. So today we're going to talk about how we should be rooted in prayer at all times and what that looks like. Now let me ask you this. If I were to ask somebody in this room, please give me a very basic and general definition of prayer. Could somebody tell me what prayer is? 
Exactly. In the most basic definition, it is talking to God. Talking to God. And as a pastor, one of the things that, um, that I've always done and that I love doing uh, is giving students, other people, the opportunity to pray. Right, so whenever there is an opportunity to pray, but hey, who here would like to pray? Or I ask somebody to pray, and a lot of the times I've heard this response, and I'm sure I'll hear it again at some point, but I hear something like, I don't know how to pray, or no, not me, I'm not good at praying, I'm okay. <laughs> what we do is we often think that in order to pray, we need to be at some strange level of Christianity, that we need to be a certain type of Christian, which is not true. It couldn't be further from the truth. I don't know where we get that from, but uh, we think of prayer as well as this thing that needs to be very neat, very eloquent, right? For some reason, a lot of the times there's this stigma that when we pray, it should sound like William Shakespeare wrote it or something, but that's not true either. You don't need to have a beautiful radio voice. You don't have to have a deep voice like Eric to pray. I mean, this morning we've heard three different, or we will hear different people pray, and they sound incredibly different. There is no specific sound uh, that you need to utter. There's not specific words that you need to say. But prayer, what we see is this honest conversation with God something that we do naturally. We all have friends in this room. We all talk to them, and we do it naturally, organically. Prayer should be a part of our lives in that which we get to the point where it is something that we do on a regular basis, that it is part of our lives, that it comes from within. We don't need to force it, but we are in communion with God. We know what prayer is. Hopefully, by the end of today, that answer um, well, that question or that concern some people tend to have is answered, how we pray. In prayer, before we get into that passage, before we expound a little bit about that or on that better yet, I just want to set the tone, set the context for what we'll be looking at in the Bible this morning and understand that prayer, back at the time that this book is written, the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, where we'll be this morning, and even before them in the Old Testament, personal access to God, something which we have through His Son, personal access to God, this idea of prayer was pretty complex to them, the people of God, the Jews at the time. The understanding that they had was that God was in some ways pretty far off, that He was distant. Somehow that this intimate relationship with him was somewhat unattainable. And we know that not to be the case, but for them, in a lot of the ways, they, they felt he was unapproachable, right? This mighty, powerful God that they couldn't just step into his presence because he was so holy, creator of everything. They understood even to the point that in order to step into his presence, you needed to be somebody that was designated to do so, ordained to do so. You needed to be a high priest on a certain day, the Day of Atonement, to do that, to enter into his presence. And, and even just to enter into his presence that day on the Day of Atonement, you needed to go through the proper process, this, um, 
this preparation in order to, to step into his presence. So it was a very, a very foreign thing. And it's very complex what we understand prayer to be like today in comparison to perhaps what we see here in the Old Testament. That, that the people generally were intimidated by God's mind. And as we look at the Old Testament, although that may have been the consensus, really, the Old Testament doesn't show that in God's character at all. In fact, if we look closely at the Old Testament, we see that God, quite on the contrary, is incredibly approachable. That he is someone who desires us to come to him. We find that, again, even in the Old Testament, if we look just at the book of Psalms, we see several different examples of this. The psalmist in 50, 15, he says, and call upon me in the day of trouble, or God says here, I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Call upon me, I will deliver you. 91.15, when he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. 18.6, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. And my cry to him reached his ears. So we see that in the character of God. That he desires for us to call to him. That he listens to our cries. And then if we look at the Old Testament, we also see a few different components from their prayers. The people of God. What they were called to do in their prayers in the Old Testament. When we look at that, we see a number of things. When they prayed, there was love and praise. We prayed with love and praise. Again, we look at Psalm for this example, 34, 2. My soul makes it boast, its boast to the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. They prayed with gratitude and thanksgiving. They were thankful for what he had done, provision. Time and time again, we see the Lord provide for his people. They recognize God's holiness. There was affirmation of that individual's desire to obey God and to please him. Again, Psalm 119, verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than the honey to my mouth. There was a desire for them to follow him, to obey him. We heard this morning to glorify him, to obey him. That's our command, and, and, and they understood that in you saw that in their prayers as they cried out to him. And also, the confession of sin, as we see in Psalm as well. But they understood prayer was not to be selfish. It was meant to be unselfish. They prayed for their, their people. They prayed for their covenant people. They understood and they knew they had been um, separated by God. And they would plead in their prayers repeatedly. Moses did so time and time again, pleading God for his mercy. Even though at one point God says enough in Deuteronomy 3, he continues to pray for the same thing, to pray for God's mercy. Again, prayer has all these things, and one of them as well that we see is this redundancy, this repetition is unceasing. As we read and we look at um, the Old Testament, we see that their prayers were also positioned from a place of humility. And as we look at the text we're going to be looking at today, as we turn over, you can turn over there, Luke 11, if you have your Bibles. 
It's important for us to understand what the prayers in the Old Testament was like because we know that when Jesus comes, and as we'll read today, he's not presenting anything that's, you know, I would say is inherently new to these people. It's not like they didn't understand what prayer looked like, the instruction uh, to prayer as if it were never known before, but Jesus, again, he comes not to change the law, but to fulfill it. And so some of the elements of this prayer um, had been um, already understood, and Jesus just comes and he refines it. He reiterates it with the words that we'll hear today. When Jesus himself talks about prayer in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, we see Jesus' specific instruction and in how to pray. How do we pray? Right? He, sometimes, um, like I said before, we, we don't understand how to pray, and, and, and I get it. But there is a, a passage here. There are passages in Scripture that, that give us some clarity on this, give us some guise and wisdom and insight in how to do that. And specifically, as we see here, as we will see his disciples ask Jesus to teach them, they didn't just want to know how to pray. They wanted to know how to pray like Jesus. When we hear the Lord's Prayer, which is uh, what we'll find this morning, this is not the same one you see in Matthew 6, by the way. This is a different incident, but this account happens a few months after that. In this instruction, again, he answers that, crest, that question they have, teach us to pray. And he models for them this example. His response, as we'll see, these four verses here, or three in which his words are contained. His response, I want to understand this, is not supposed to be a prayer that is meant to be reiterated. What he is teaching them is how to pray. Oftentimes we'll look at this passage and we'll read something um, like the Lord's Prayer, and specifically in this case, we'll see, okay, when they ask, hey, how do we pray? will insinuate or, or assume the assumption is he's asking us, God bless you, to pray this prayer, right? That's not the case. This is a good prayer for us to pray, yes, when we maybe need specific words or if, um, if time comes and we pray this prayer, that's great. Or sometimes people even sing this prayer. That's amazing. That's great. But again, the the lesson here is not saying, all right, you want to learn how to pray. Say these words exactly. He's not answering that question. What they're asking him is, how do I pray? What does prayer look like? How do I pray like you, Jesus? And so when Jesus says this, I want us to not look at specifically just the words so that we can say them back word for word but understand how he is praying and what he is praying. The elements and components of his prayer. And that's what he is saying here. That's the instruction he gives. He, he lays out almost like an outline, a skeleton, a model for us for what to say when we pray ourselves. When again, we use our honest thoughts, what is in our hearts, when we speak to God, when we use our own words, we can use this, these couple of verses here, and understand the structure 
for all our prayers, for what prayer looks like and what it should look like. So again, this morning we're going to see not what to pray specifically, but how to pray. And if you perhaps have ever been somebody that has said, well, I don't know how to pray, so I'm not going to pray, or, I, you know, not me, this and that, hopefully you'll never say that again because this morning you'll learn how to pray. Um, if, you, if you have your Bibles, again, look at verse 1 with me. In verse 1, he, he is not asking, uh, well, we find the disciples asking Jesus how to pray. He's not answering it yet, but this is what it says. Chapter 11, verse 1 of the Gospel of Luke. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Prayer was a regular part of Jesus' life. They saw it firsthand. Oftentimes, Jesus, for the most part, would seclude himself, go in a place where he could come and have fellowship with God on his own to separate himself from his followers and pray to God. Clearly, they saw him doing that, and they probably overheard him praying to God as well in some cases. And hearing that, they asked him then, in that particular day, how can we pray like you? They also mentioned John the Baptist, and this is the last time we see or hear of John the Baptist, and we see that he taught his disciples how to pray as well. And so naturally, understanding that they were followers of Jesus, they asked him, well, we should probably know how to pray too, so can you show us how to pray? And the first thing Jesus says, the first thing that we see him say in verse 2, is he says this, when you pray, essentially, first and foremost, you say, Father, Father. In the Old Testament, God was only called Father 15 times. And when we look at the New Testament, when you look at all of the Testament, or all of the, the, the Gospels together, we see something a little bit different. We see that the, that the Gospel in and of itself has mention of God as Father over 150 times. Something has changed in the New Testament. God has brought near to us. He is made accessible. Something different has changed in our relationship with him. We have a very clear insight on that through Jesus. The first thing I want us to understand as we pray to God and understanding how to pray is recognize that he is our father. He is our father. That word is Abba. We know that and we may have heard it before, right? Papa, right? This, in, this term of endearment, daddy, father, papa. This very close, intimate relationship with a very dependent child upon his father, right? Man. We have access to that God. That is the relationship that here he is saying we have. And when we enter into his presence, when we pray to God, when we come to him, we approach him with that same endearment and that same affection. We call him Father. 
In Romans 8.15, we see, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. He is our Father in his truest sense, and his arms are open to his children to embrace us, and he cares for us. And as the source of everything, our prayers begin with our Father. That is the start. And secondly, right after that, quickly after that, we see that he says as well, hallowed be your name. He says, Father, hallowed be your name. Hallowed, hallowed is a pretty, uh, pretty old school word. It's ancient. Uh, most of us probably don't use that word. You've probably only heard that word if you're like, I don't know, talking to a fossil or something. That, that word is not really part of today's society, but hallowed, it means that his name is above all things. He is holy. When you see hallowed be your name, it's important for us to see the, the distinguishment here. There is an important balance we must strike. We understand the reality that we are sons and daughters of God. We know that we have a heavenly father, but equally we must recognize the level of respect that it requires to enter into his presence. Understand who he is. We know that the Jews took that to the extreme, that they were even intimidated by this glorious God, that he seemed unapproachable. Their reverence was so great that they invented ways even to talk about God without using his name. We have a personal relationship with God, and he cares for us, and he loves us. And he is gentle, lowly in heart. He desires for us to come to him, but do not forget that when we pray, we are entering in the presence of God. And his name stands for who he is, all that he is, and all that he has done. It's not just a name we throw around. I talk about Jaden, Jacob. I'm not just talking about your names. When I reference you, right, your name encompasses who you are, all that you've done. God, when we say God's name, when we refer to our Father, we are referencing uh, not just, you know, just a name that we throw out in vain, but God and who he is, what he has done for you, what we see in God's word. It's all of him, him in his entirety. And that should bring us to a place of worship and understanding who he really is. In Psalm 20, verse 7, it says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Here's this quote from John MacArthur, and he says this, His name is not just a title, but the total of his person. So what are some names of God? God is known as Elohim. Elohim, which means creator, creator of all things. Another name you might know, you should probably be familiar with this one. If you're not, you've probably been living under a rock for the last year and a half, but it is Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. He is provider. Provider. Another name for him is Adonai. Adonai means 
Lord. And let's not forget as well, one that is right in front of our faces, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, which importantly encompasses the full scope of the character of God. Holy be your name. When we say holy be your name, we're not making him holy. That's not what we're doing. We cannot make God holy. He is holy. When we say holy be your name, all we're doing is acknowledging and recognizing that he is. Acknowledging and recognizing, worshiping God simply for who he is. We affirm and understand that he is set apart, that he is holy, that he deserves to be glorified. And as we believe who he is, that he says he is, who God is, we can truly glorify his name. In Romans eleven thirty six, it says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So when you pray to God, pray to him as Father. You can't. And that's a privilege that we get to pray to God as Father. We have access to the creator of all things. And God is more powerful, as we've read about already and talked about, who's more powerful than all things. Any problems we have, anything that is going on, he is greater than those things. We can come to him with that level of intimacy. Abba, Father. But also remember that you are entering into the presence of an all-holy God. Understand the significance of what that means. Understand that you are now speaking to, to the ruler of your life, the ruler of all things, the God of your life. You're speaking to God in all that he is. You're speaking to your king, who you submit to. We should submit to him, worship him. And we see that Jesus says something along these lines right after that. He says, your kingdom come. Next thing that we acknowledge and understand about who God is is that he is sovereign. He is our father, he is holy, and he is sovereign. Jesus, when he came to earth, he is preaching about the kingdom of God. He was sent by the father to preach about this kingdom, and he announced it to everyone. And he made it known to everybody, and everybody understood that it was available to them. When he came, he talked about the kingdom and said what was required to enter the kingdom. And God's kingship, it is over all of creation. God's kingship is over all of the world, but specifically what, God is, what Jesus is teaching about was that, one, the kingdom was upon them, and this kingdom that he is referring to is specifically the kingdom of believers, God's kingship over believers. And Jesus, he instructs us here not just to merely pray. I believe he is, he is instructing us to desire, to desire to see God's kingdom built. For God to build up his kingdom. For glory to be brought to God through salvation. Our hope is, as we pray and understand the sovereignty of God, 
understand that his kingdom is a priority in our lives. Essentially, what should what this can boil down to, what essentially this is saying is that God, whatever it takes to bring the fullness of your redemptive purpose, I pray that you would accomplish it. In more simpler terms, hey God, whatever it costs, whatever it takes for the gospel to advance, I pray that you would do that. I pray that you would accomplish that. That the gospel would advance and the lost would come to know him. And that you would be glorified through him. That you would be exalted. And if you look at this model that we've gone over this morning, we see something very important. There's yet to be mentioned about any of our own personal experiences, correct? We've talked about how God is Father. We know who he is and we come to him as Father and we worship and glorify his holiness and then we plead we desire we ask that hey, whatever it costs Lord advance your kingdom and hopefully we desire to be a part of that but God is first in this it doesn't it doesn't come after at the end or it's not excluded from our prayers but it takes precedent before any of our own concerns, questions, needs. And we can be so quick to do that, right? We say, dear Heavenly Father, hey God, I need this. I need this. I know you, need, I know, you know that I need this, that I, I, I'm struggling with this. And we forget everything else that we just mentioned this morning. We jump so quickly into those things, but before we get into any of that, we should be praying for his kingdom. We shouldn't be ever passive about that either. Kind of grow numb to it. Right, okay, I get it. We want the gospel to advance, right? That everybody come to know God. Okay, yeah. And kind of grow numb to that. But no, we should, we should desire to see that happen. That should be something we are passionate about. We should be passionate as we share the passion of God, and that is to advance his kingdom. God should be honored, glorified, and we should seek his kingdom first. Seek his kingdom first. Only then, only after that, do we get to our side of this prayer. And we place the priority on him and who he is and his kingdom. Then we get to, all right, Lord, here's my cry, here's my plead. At that point, when we get to ourselves, as we close today, as we'll read in verses three and four, I'm not gonna spend on too, too much time on this as we close because this part we're familiar with. When we talk about ourselves and praying for things that we need, everybody's a pro with that in this room. We all are. But this is what he says in verses three and four. And I think there's still some significance to this that we can learn from. In verses three and four, he said, Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. So we see here in these few verses, right? Give us each day our daily bread. So whether it's provision, whether it's needs that we have, whether it's the need of a savior, whether it's need of forgiveness, 
when we talk about uh, the need for mercy, strength, or spiritual protection, even as we read there in verse 4. Whatever it is, in all things, the point here that I want to highlight this morning is that he is faithful. He is faithful. He is our Father. He is holy. He is sovereign. And lastly, he is faithful. Again, we see that he supplies our needs. He is our Savior. And he is going to protect us, right? When he says, lead us not to temptation, that's not insinuating that he leads us to temptation. He's not saying, hey, God, please don't do that to me. That's not in God's character. God doesn't tempt us. He gives us protection. He gives us protection and also instructs us, instructs us in a path that produces righteousness. And these prayers are all things that have already been promised to us. In God's word, we find that when we pray these things, as we pray this, we're praying back the promises he's already made to us. So the, one, the thing I want to clarify, the thing I want to emphasize this morning to us is that we should be praying that he would fulfill his promises on our behalf, that we pray his promises, that we call on his promises, the things that he said already in his word. Don't just make petitions of your own, but bring forth his own promises before him. Right? We look at forgiveness, for example. We see an example here. But we know that 1 John 1, 9, it talks about that. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Also, grace. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in times of need. He shows us as well that we can in him find guidance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Whenever we pray, whatever problem, whatever dilemma, whatever issue we may have, whatever request we bring forth to God, Let's pray that it honors him and that it would manifest fulfillments of his promises. And that is the humble attitude that we should have when we pray. Hopefully as we pray um, this morning, um, we can emulate these things and, and replicate them in our own prayers. But I want us to walk away understanding these four crucial things uh, in regards to prayer. And hopefully this helps us and instructs us and maybe guides us um, for the rest of our prayer lives, really. Again, it is acknowledging and understanding that he is our father, that he is holy, that he is sovereign, and that he is faithful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the state. Thank you for the time that we have um, to come to you. Um, Lord, it is a privilege that we have to come and, 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 and pray and have access and communication with you, Father. Um, thank you for, for your goodness, all that you've given us. Uh, we're blessed to, to be here this morning, to be surrounded with these people, Lord, to have the privilege of opening up your word. Lord, I pray that... Um, for whoever's hearing this, Lord, I, I pray that you would challenge our hearts, encourage our hearts, um, 
Lord, that we would be able to um, replicate uh, what prayer looks like um, and model our prayer lives after Jesus himself, um, that we would prioritize your kingdom, Lord, that at whatever cost it may be, Lord, we might even plead to be a part of that, to see your kingdom advance, Lord, that our needs would be second, um, um, that we would not put ourselves ahead of you, Father. And again, Lord, we're, we're so blessed um, to have your son as an example for us. I pray that we would uh, use our, 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 our Bibles, Lord, use the resources you've given us to know more of you, to know you, and, and to share more uh, with others as well. Lord, we thank you, and we're so grateful for our time here this morning. I pray that you would bless us on our way homes. Um, and give us a safe trip with this nasty weather outside. We pray all these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. All right. Good morning and citizen. You guys have a great day. Be safe, really. Drive slow if you're driving. Be careful out there. It is snowing.